Hey, it's great to be, uh, to be with you all. Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a joy to be here and uh, to see yeah, some familiar masked faces and to see um, my friend Freddie Rutherford, Rutherford, who has um, a hairband on, bro. <laughs> I didn't even recognize you, but it's good to see you. Um, and lots, lots of you, I shouldn't have picked on you. Um, friends, uh, let me read God's word um, as we dive into it together and, uh, and then we'll unpack it together. Uh, so Matthew chapter 13, if you've got it in your, in your Bibles, I would tell you what page, but your Bibles will be completely different or probably digital. So um, if you've got phones, then find them. So Matthew 13, and I'll just be looking at a couple of verses here. So uh, starting at verse 44 and reading through to verse 46. So verse 44 of Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Let me pray as we um, open up this, uh, this passage together. Father God, you are a generous God. And I pray that you would be generous to us today, that you would speak to us by your Spirit, that you would open our eyes uh, Lord, as, as Jesus says, Lord, we need ears that are open, so I pray that you would open our ears that we would hear and soften our hearts that we might be changed by your word. Lord, I pray that you do that for, for me, uh, for everyone here, Lord, for those who know you, for those who don't, Lord, be at the work of softening our hard hearts to understand your word better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm, um, I'm going to go out on a bit of a punt here, and I apologize if this, if this doesn't pay off at all, but... Um, but when I was at school, um, we sang a song in assemblies. And, and for, for those of you who kind of did sort of assemblies at school and stuff, um, assembly songs are those kind of songs that stick in your mind uh, forever. And as I was preparing this passage, this song kind of came to, came to mind. So I'm going to sort of attempt at singing this song. Now, the benefit is I don't know whether you're not singing because I'm looking like a melon and you, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, or you're not singing because you're obeying kind of COVID things. But this is how the, this, this, this song went. It went like this. Life is like a magic penny. Hold it tight. And you, absolute silence and, and odd looks at me as well. So hold it tight and you won't get any. Lend it, spend it, and you'll have so many. They'll roll. Thankfully, I'm not singing. I'm preaching today. They'll roll all over the floor. And then it, and it went like this. Love is some. I started too low, but love is something. If you give it away, give it away, give it away. Love is something. If you give it away, you end up having more. Thank you very much. Um, and, and, and that, you don't, please don't. <laughs> I'm embarrassed, you're going to be embarrassed. Um, and the moral of the song, the moral of the song, uh, as it kind of was explained in the assembly or by whoever was doing the song, was that, that love is something if you give it away. Almost the more love you have, uh, the more you give that love away, then the more you'll receive. That wasn't the moral that I learned from that song. I wanted to know where this magic penny was. <laughs> Where was this magic penny that I could spend and receive more? And, and, and I loved the idea, and I went around as a kid sort of winning, wishing that, they, that I had this, this magic money penny. And, and the government at the moment could do with a, a magic money penny rather than a magic money tree, couldn't they? We would love a magic money penny, but when we look at that and we think about that idea, we realize it's nonsense. There's no such thing. There's no way that you can spend lots and then receive lots in return. Spend everything you have and yet end up being rich? Or is there? This is not kind of some secrets to, to becoming millionaires, but in this passage, friends, 
I think we see two stories. It's exactly what we see in this passage. Two stories of men who sell everything they have and yet end up with something much, much more. Something worth much more than they gave away. And the reason I think that Jesus tells this parable in the context of these parables, the reason Jesus tells this parable is he wants the listeners, those who have ears, those who have soft hearts, those who can understand, he wants us to know this one massive massive truth. That the kingdom of heaven is worth everything that we have. The kingdom of heaven is worth everything we have. Friends, I want us to to leave today as we we walk out those doors, as we end time sort of singing together. I want us in our minds, for me, because this is important for me to understand this, and for all of us, to be utterly convinced that the kingdom of heaven is worth everything that you have. That swapping everything you have for the kingdom is the best deal ever. If, if I've done my job today, then, then that's what we'll have going out in our hearts and in our minds. And friends, if you, if you don't believe it yet, and there's a, maybe a tiny part of you, if you're here kind of uh, not sure where you stand with the Lord and, and you're just sort of exploring, if there's a tiny part of you that wants to know it, that wants to know why the kingdom of heaven is worth everything you have, then I, then I plead with you, listen to this, this passage. Listen to Jesus' words here today. And I really hope that we'll all leave For some, it's necessary for us to to be reminded. For some, this might be the first time you've heard this, but I want us to all leave thinking, knowing, believing, being certain that the kingdom of heaven is worth everything we have. Look down with me at, at, at those verses. The first thing I want us to see as we look at those verses is that kingdom living, or the kingdom itself, looks stupid. The kingdom looks stupid. So this is a scene, I love kind of reading these parables and, and the stories are, are living, so, so let's get into the, the, the story, what's going on here. There's a farmer farming in a field, he's probably working in another man's field, that was what kind of was, not man's field, he's not working in man's field, he's working in another man's field, a field that belongs to another man, that's a better way of saying it. Um, and, and, he's, and he's probably there, I don't know, digging or farming or whatever, and there's maybe many others sort of farming alongside him and digging alongside him, and imagine his spade hits something solid. And he sort of gets down on, it, on his knees and he gets his hands and, and his nails dirty as he, as he lifts up the, the dirt and he sort of peels away at this thing. He starts digging. He finds a box or a chest, if you, I don't know, whatever he finds. And he opens it up and he looks and he sees treasure, riches beyond his wildest imagination. And then he sits up and he looks around and he sees whether anyone else has spotted what he's got. Has anyone else seen what he's been doing? And he notices that no one else has, has seen it. So he closes the lid, he buries the box, and he goes away. And then he sells every single thing that he has. He sells everything that he has to get this field. You see, here's the thing, friends, that in, in those days, it was relatively common, it seems, for someone to um, have lots of kind of treasure, have lots of possessions, and need to leave the country for various reasons. They might leave, and, and there was no kind of banks or safety deposit boxes for them to, to leave stuff with. So often, the, the, the kind of normal person would maybe dig a, a hole and bury something in a place that they would later come back to, hoping that no one else would find that place. Maybe they'd gone and, and died and never come back, or, or, or maybe they'd gone and, and just kind of found treasure somewhere else, and ended up living and and moving somewhere else. But for some reason, someone's treasure was in this field. And the law was basically a little bit like that law at at primary school, which was finders, keepers, losers, weepers. This man found it, it was his, he could enjoy it. But there's a a bit of a problem because it's a little bit more complicated because he was in another man's field. 
And so there was another man potentially who, who had some right to this treasure. If, if the owner of the field knew what was going on, he might say, well, you dug it up in my field, so I'm going to take this treasure. This is my treasure. I'll have it. Thank you very much. So he can't risk it. So he buries it and then sells everything that he has and buys the field, guaranteeing that that treasure is his and his alone. Jesus tells another story, doesn't he? It's like the first, but, but this time it's a, a merchant and a, a pearl. Pearls were properly valuable in those times. I think they're probably still properly valuable now. And this guy probably has lots of pearls. He's a merchant. This is kind of what he does. It's his day job. But then he finds the pearl to end all pearls. The best pearl. All of the pearls that he's ever seen, all of the pearls in his collection pale into insignificance in comparison to this one pearl. What a pearl. Just, just picture the pearl. I did a little bit, little bit of research around pearls and apparently um, sort of, you know, whiteness is a good thing in a pearl and, and some of them have kind of a nice sort of gold sort of, uh, I don't know, kind of pattern or swirl or something to them and they're particularly nice. And, and so imagine this beautiful, large, pure white with a hint of gold pearl. And again, he sells everything that he had to buy the pearl. But just imagine that you were to see one of those guys, one of those men just after they found the treasure and as they were selling all they had, just as Jesus says, do you see down there, he went and sold all he had. He went and sold all he had to buy a field. Just imagine. He's flogging his house, his kind of pots and his pans and his cutlery and all his stuff, his land, his cattle, his carts, his horses. He's tearing down his house bit by bit and selling everything that he has. He went and sold everything he had, every last thing for what? For a field. He sold all that he had for a field. Imagine that in his possession already he had a number of other fields. Yeah? So this guy's got, let's, let's imagine, a, a few fields and he sells fields to buy one field. Everything gone. If you were looking on, if you were a mate of his, you'd think this guy was an idiot. And he, even better, he does it with a massive grin on his face. Do, do, do you see that? In his joy, verse 44, at the end of verse 44, and then in his joy went out and sold all he had. There's nothing more silly than seeing someone doing something stupid with a massive smile on their face. Yeah? Everything he had. You can imagine, while he's getting rinsed by all his mates who are going, you know what, you know, Jim's having a, having a like, um, car boot sale. He's selling everything. You, you should see the prices that he's selling, all that stuff. You know, he's got that nice stuff, all that stuff. He's selling it for nothing. He's just, he just wants all of it. He just wants to get, get rid of everything. And you're, you're kind of there, and he's grinning as he's selling your stuff. And you're thinking, what an idiot. Friends, we're going to come back to this at the end, but friends, note now the apparent stupidity of living for the kingdom. How living for Jesus looks actively like choosing to be an idiot. As you let go of the stuff in the world, as you start to see less value in the worldly things, as you live for Jesus as your king, as you live under God's rule, people will look at you and say, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Look at what you're losing. Look at what you're giving up. For what? For religion? For some kind of nice gathering, socially distanced on a, on a Sunday? For pie in the sky when you die? For what? What are you giving up all this stuff for? 
familiar passage, I'm sure, to, to some of us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The ridiculousness of changing your life, of giving up so much, it looks so stupid. It does, it looks so stupid. All your possessions for one pearl, all your possessions, all your stuff, all your riches for one field. It looks so stupid. It seems so stupid. It is so stupid. Unless, unless, unless you know what is in that field. Unless you know the value of the thing that is in the field, unless you know the true worth of the treasure, the real value of that pearl. And when you do, when you know the value, what looks foolish, what looks stupid, what looks irresponsible even, is suddenly shown to be true wisdom, isn't it? You see, what this man did was the only thing that he could possibly do when he saw the worth of that treasure. There was no other option. Kingdom living looks stupid until you realize what it's worth. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 continues, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but, what a wonderful word, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. True wisdom. Because the merchants who sold, sold all those pearls, knew that the value of all the pearls in the world could not ma- match the value of this one pearl. Because the man in the fields knew the true worth of the treasure in the field. They knew that. And when he knew, when they knew the worth of that treasure, then selling everything they had to get that treasure was a no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. And so with joy, they sold everything they had. Friends, that's the heart of that parable. Kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is worth everything you have. I wonder, do you know, do you really know the worth of the kingdom of heaven? Are your eyes open? Are your eyes closed? Are your ears open? Are your ears closed? Is your heart softened to the, to the joy, to the riches, to the value of the kingdom of heaven? Friends, here's what I want to do just for, just for a minute together. I want a glimpse at that treasure. A little bit like we were there in the field and, and the guy gave us a peek. I wanted to have a peek at the riches of the kingdom of heaven. I'd love to do this more. So at Hope Church, we've been working through the whole book of Matthew. And so as, I, as I'm preaching these, these passages at Hope Church, we've seen this, this treasure kind of build up in Matthew. So I encourage you to look at the, the book of Matthew, read through it, and you'll see the, the picture of the kingdom of heaven build and build and build. But I'm just going to glance at it briefly with you now. The kingdom of heaven... Is like a treasure hidden in the field, verse 44 says. Notice that it's the kingdom of heaven that is a treasure. So the treasure is not personal salvation. The treasure is not forgiveness of sins. The treasure is not kind of heaven where we go to when we die. The treasure is not being saved from hell to heaven. It includes those things, absolutely. Don't mishear what I'm saying. It is absolutely those things. It includes those things. They are part of it. The treasure is no less than forgiveness of sins. It is no less of of salvation from, from from hell to heaven. It is no less than that, but it is wonderfully more than that. It includes all this, but it is so much more, friends. It is as if all those things are like the the wonderful 
core and central, but individual treasures that are part of this deeper, broader, bigger treasure. And that is the treasure that Jesus wants us to see the value of. The whole of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells us it is the kingdom of heaven in all its depth and all its breadth. Friends, the kingdom of heaven is deeply personal. It is the receiving of salvation. It is the forgiveness of sins. It is the receiving of Jesus Christ. And we see this as we go through Matthew. It's the receiving of Jesus Christ as our King and as our Lord, as the heart of our life. It is receiving the rule of of God's, the rule of his reign in our hearts. It is, as as Jesus himself puts it again and again in, in the book of Matthew, it is becoming a child of God. It is that we can call him Father. We've been adopted into his family. That's the richness of the treasure. And the personal assurance that comes with being able to call God Dad. That's amazing. Abba, Father. That's the richness of this kingdom of heaven. It is wonderfully, beautifully, deeply personal, but it is also wonderfully and vastly universal. See, Jesus is both king of our hearts, friends, and yet he is also the king who is subduing the whole earth under his wonderful rule. Revelation 21, verse 5 says, Jesus says this, Behold, look, see, raise your eyes. Behold, I am making all things new. All things new. That is the kingdom of heaven. So friends, when we find this treasure, when you know the the value of the kingdom of heaven, we aren't just receiving the saving thing that God is doing in our lives. We are also embracing the redemptive thing that God is doing in the whole of the earth. That is the kingdom of heaven. What a treasure. It's the right now as Jesus is breaking into the world and fixing all that sin is. Turning things upside down, fixing all that sin has broken, and yet it's the the not yet when Jesus will in his glory come again to judge the, the living and the dead and bring the kingdom in all its fullness when everybody will know that God rules and that Jesus is king. That's the kingdom of heaven. And we've only just scratched the surface. We've only just kind of glanced and and glimpsed into the treasure. How big is the kingdom of heaven? The answer is always, no matter how much we, we dig deeper, the answer to the question, how big is the kingdom of heaven, is always bigger than I know. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, As it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Do you hear those words? No human mind has ever, ever conceived the wonderful things that the Lord has in store for you if you love Jesus. We cannot get our heads around the height and the length and the breadth and the depth and the wealth and the worth of the kingdom of heaven. Scratch the surface, friends. The treasure, the thing worth selling everything for is the kingdom of heaven. It looks stupid living for the kingdom of heaven until you realize what it's worth, until you see with your eyes what is in that field. It is worth everything you have. It is worth everything you have, friends. But you can't buy it. Let's not mistake this parable for saying something that it's not. This is not saying that we can purchase, that we can buy the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is not for sale. 
Nothing that we can do to, to buy it. This parable of, of two men selling all their possessions, all their worldly things to buy a field and a pearl is not showing us that we can somehow buy the kingdom of heaven ourselves. No, you can't. It's far better than that. The point of the parable is not that you can buy it. The point of the parable is that if, it, if you could buy it, it'd be worth everything you had, but wonderfully, beautifully, it's completely free. Completely free. If you sold everything you had to receive the kingdom of heaven, you would get a good deal. But the question is not how much it costs, but how much it's worth. The wonderful thing about the cost is it did not cost me or you anything. Here's the most mind-blowing and astonishing thing, friends. The thing that is worth, the thing that is worth more than anything in the world is given to us completely free. What a generous God we have. How? How? How is this a free gift? Because Jesus has paid the price of the kingdom. He has purchased us. He has purchased you. Friend, if you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, he has purchased you with his own blood. He took the wrath of God on himself, received the punishment of all our sins so that we could have life, so that we could have the riches of heaven. He exchanged our dirt, our mess, our brokenness. And gave us his riches. He overcame evil and Satan and he rose from the dead so we can have life. And so we who were excluded, rightly excluded from the kingdom of heaven, rightly excluded from any of these treasures that we would long to have, we who were excluded are now brought in wonderfully by his blood. Friends, Jesus' death on the cross is, is both the kind of central point Death on the cross and resurrection is both the central point of the whole of the kingdom of heaven and it is the magnet of which he draws people into the kingdom of heaven. And we do nothing to deserve it. When we come to the kingdom by his mercy and by his grace, we received all its benefits. All of its benefits. And wonderfully, it is a gift of grace. This treasure the treasure that is worth selling everything we have to have is given to us wonderfully, beautifully for absolutely nothing. Nada, zilch, free. The man who bought the field for everything he had got a good deal, best deal ever. The bloke who, who bought the pearl with all the pearls got the best deal ever. Friends, how much greater that we who gave up nothing have been given the kingdom of heaven. Do you see how much it is worth? Have you seen the value of the kingdom of heaven? I want to take us just, just briefly to a, to a, um, a real-life situation uh, that Jesus tells us about um, also in, in Matthew's Gospel, slightly later on in Matthew 19. Because I think it, it, it kind of gives us this, this wonderful kind of contrast with this parable. So if, you, if, you've got the, if you've got a Bible, turn with me briefly to, to Matthew uh, chapter 19. If not, I'll, I'll read a few of those verses out. I won't read them all, but I'll just read um, a couple of the verses. Matthew 19, uh, verses 16. So verse 16 says this, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Pause there for a moment. So this man is a rich man, wealthy man. We know as well that he's, he's, he's rich in, in money, but he's also rich in religion. He's, he's what he would consider and what we would consider a good man. 
He obeys the rules. He's got loads of good stuff and he does loads of good things. And the guy explains to Jesus that he's kept all the commandments. I've done them all. Now we know that's nonsense. He can't. But he thinks he has. Surely that's going to get him in. Surely the, the good life that he's lived is going to get him in. Jesus responds to him. Verse 21. Midway through verse 21. Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. It's worth selling everything you have. The kingdom of heaven is worth selling everything you have. Drop everything, give up everything for the kingdom and follow the king. That's what Jesus says. He offers him the best thing that he's ever been offered. Rich in wealth, rich in religion, none of it's going to count. Instead, become rich in Christ. Here's what happens next. It might be one of the saddest verses in the whole of the Bible. Verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. What a contrast to the man in the field. What a contrast. That could be no starker, could it? Who, verse 44, in his joy went and sold all he had. What's the difference? The difference is how much they believed, how much they knew, how much the Lord had opened their hearts to see what the kingdom of heaven was worth. That's the difference. The man went away sad because he had great wealth. That's, that's fascinating. That's completely upside down to the way that, that our world thinks about it, isn't it? More wealth, more happiness. No, the man went away sad because he had great wealth. What a line. He was world rich, but he was God poor. He let go. Friends, he let go. That man, as he walked away, let go of the chance of kingdom riches that will last forever in exchange for the earthly riches that will fade away. Idiots. And with every step he took away from Jesus, he got poorer and poorer. Do you see that? In order to keep more money in his wallet, every step that he took away from Jesus, he got poorer and poorer. But the man in the field, just picture this, with every item from his um, inventory that he sells, with everything that he has that he gives away or he sells, with everything that he sells, he gets richer and richer. Life is like a magic penny. The kingdom is worth everything you have. So, friends, once you get even a glimpse of it, drop everything. I just want to apply this briefly for us in a, in a few different ways. A few things I, I want us to think about as, uh, that have been challenging to me, that have been challenging to us as a, as a Hope Church family. I pray that they'll be challenging to, to you as Globe Church. Um, so thank you for, for, for inviting me and being willing to, uh, to listen. Let me, um, you know, bear with me as, as I try to apply things to a context that I don't know and people that I don't know, but um, I think this is what the Lord maybe wants to teach us uh, today. Firstly, whether you're searching or not, whether you're searching or not, the kingdom of heaven has been revealed to you. So if you haven't already, friends, if you haven't already, repent and come to Jesus. Do you notice that the first man stumbles across the treasure, he's not looking for it, he just kind of falls across it. The second man is searching for pearls and he finds a pearl of great price. For some of you, you might be searching for something. And Jesus in his mercy today, and maybe day after day after you've heard God's word, has revealed to you that treasure. For some of you, you've just kind of ended up here because you're a bit bored or your mates invited you and you just kind of want to be a good friend and 
keeps inviting you, and you, at some stage you've just got to say yes, haven't you, to get it over and done with. So this is maybe an accident. You've stumbled across something. Friends, do not walk away from the treasure that is greater than anything you could have ever received in your life. Both of these men have their eyes open to see the value of the treasure. Both realize what it's worth. It's what Jesus talks about in the parables. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Friends, if you are here today and you are hearing what I am saying and you are hearing God's word, then there is a good chance that the Lord might be softening your heart and opening your ears. There's two ways to respond. Harden our hearts, stick our fingers in our ears, or allow them to continue to soften our hearts. Friends, do not walk away from this treasure if it's the first time you've heard it. Second thing I want us to, I want us to do as we, as we apply this. So if, you, if that's where you need to stop and stop listening and spend some time seeking the Lord, then do that now and you can ignore everything else I'm going to say. But if you're already walking with Jesus, let me remind you of this. Living for the king may seem costly. It may seem costly, but it is the best deal ever. It is the best deal ever. There are times in life, and those who have followed Jesus for any length of time, there are times in life, you'll know this, when living with Jesus as king will feel humiliating. It will be hard. It might look stupid. You might get laughed at. You might get mocked. The things that you're giving up, the life that you're giving up, people may think you are an idiot for doing that. When you end that relationship that isn't right, that you shouldn't be in, and you stop it, when you refuse to join in with the, the banter that you, that you know is, is not glorifying to the Lord, when you stop going to certain places, when you give up things, when you get up and run and flee from temptation, you look like an idiot. I imagine I met, we've been preaching through Joseph just before we're preaching through Matthew, and I imagine this is a bit of an aside, but I imagine Joseph as he runs away from um, Potiphar's wife and he leaves his robe and he just looks like, he just, I'm sure he looks like a fool. I can't think you can run and look cool in that kind of situation. He looks like an idiot. He's laughed at, he's mocked, and the effects of his running away are severe. But it's worth it. When you throw yourself into kingdom living, people will look at you and think that it's stupid. There'll be times when it will seem costly. And in some ways, in a worldly sense, it will be costly. But it is always gaining kingdom terms. Always gaining kingdom terms. Just picture the man. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, read these next three words. Are we allowed to do this? I'm going to do it anyway. Read these next three words with me. Speak them out with me. I'll, I'll, I'll read that verse again. And the final three words I want you to read with me. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then these three words, in his joy. In his joy. What amazing words. In his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. He is counting the cost. He is literally counting the cost. As his mate rides away on his horse, waving at him, saying, thanks for the horse. He is counting the cost. He is seeing all his worldly possessions disappear into the horizon. He is counting the cost, but he is counting the cost in kingdom currency. He knows the value of the kingdom of heaven is worth everything he's got. He sells his stuff with joy. Friends, this giving up is not sacrifice, not really. Think about this. He sells for self-interest. Do you see that? He sells for self-interest. 
What he has is better than what he's got. Friends, let's not, let's not kind of move on from that too, too quickly. Let's not be kind of too, too kind of sacrificial about this in a sense. He is selling for self-interest. Yes, it's generous. We want to be a generous church. I don't want to undermine any of that and all that kind of stuff. But there is a, an inherent self-interest in gospel living. A good self-interest because it's a self-interest that glorifies the Lord because he wants us to enjoy the riches of heaven. He wants us to enjoy all the things that he's given us that are good for us, not the things that he's given us that if we use them as idols and, and take them for ourselves, they'll be bad for us. So these things, kingdom things, kingdom riches are good for us. There's a real genuine self-interest here. So he sells not sacrificially but joyfully knowing that what he is receiving in return is worth everything. You can imagine him as his mates are going off with all this stuff. You can imagine him kind of wandering along. And, and as he's selling his stuff, he's singing that song that we used to sing. At, I don't know why I keep going back to primary school. There's obviously something going on in my mind at the moment. Um, but that song that you used to sing, I know something you don't know, do da, do da. I know something you don't know, do 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 da, da. No one else, no, that's fine. But he's singing this, and he does know something that you don't know. He knows the riches of the kingdom of heaven. As he's selling his stuff, he knows the riches of the kingdom of heaven. Friends, I, I, I want to be careful with what I'm saying here. I, I chatted briefly to John T about this because I'm just aware that, that this is not my church and I don't want to say something that's kind of um, going to be unhelpful, but I think this is true from this passage. In this language, in these words, we don't sacrifice for the gospel. There is a right element of sacrifice in Christian living, absolutely. We offer ourselves as living sacrifice, absolutely. But I, I think there's an unhelpful element that we can slip into in our culture of this mentality of, look at what I could have been if I hadn't become a Christian. Or look at what I've lost in order to, 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 to kind of live for Jesus. Look at the, the great career that I've given up in, in order to, to, to kind of do this. No, no. There is no such thing, in, in, in a deep and real sense, there is no such thing as sacrifice when the things of the world that we give up or throw out or cast aside are simply barriers to more of Christ and his kingdom. Nothing that you give up is truly sacrifice. Every time, um, it's cost, it costs, it hurts. I'm not denying that. But every time that living for Jesus seems costly, you are not sacrificing or doing something foolish. You are making the wisest investment you have ever made in your life. Every time. Let those words hit you. I'm not saying it's, not, I'm not saying it's easy. But it's worth it. If you lost your job, if you lost your, lost your house, your money, your dignity, your friends, for the sake of the kingdom, it would still be net gain. If you swapped all the riches of the world, if, if Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, took all that he has and gave it in order to receive the kingdom of heaven, he would have to say to himself, it is the best deal ever. His greatest investment. You probably know the, um, the words of, of Jim Elliot, who who died uh, on the mission field, gave his life on the mission field. These words are wonderful, aren't they? He is no fool. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The words of Paul in, in Philippians 4, 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because, why? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake... I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, garbage, that I might gain Christ. 
I've got one job in our, in our house, and that's to take the rubbish out. That's basically the only job that I really, really kind of have to do. I do other stuff. I'm not an awful husband. I do other stuff. But, uh, but the bins is my job, and the bins never gets done. And I always get told to do the bins, and I should do the bins, and my wife is right. I think that's what Paul is saying here. I think Paul is saying selling, get, leaving his stuff, giving up his stuff is like him taking the bins out. That's how he considers it. Do you see that picture? In fact, the, the language, if you know anything about the language, the language is even starker than that because it's talking about poo. It's, it's scraping poo off his shoe. That's what it means to give up the riches of the world for the riches of heaven. And if you'd have asked Paul, if you'd have said to Paul, was it worth it, Paul? I think this is what he would have said. I think he would have said, have you met Jesus? Have you, have you scratched the surface of the kingdom of heaven? Such is the value of the kingdom of heaven, and best deal ever. Finally, on that day, third thing I want us to, to, to think about, on that day, only kingdom currency counts. On that day, only kingdom currency counts. This is key. The guy who sold the field, who, who got all these riches and all these, and all these things and, and received all these, this stuff, who, who, who uh, managed to somehow sell this field for probably far more than it was worth. Remember, the man sold everything he had. It wasn't that he sold some stuff in order to get the value of the field. He was so sure that he wanted that field that he didn't care what he paid for that field, so he paid everything that he had. Imagine that. That's that kind of situation. That's that kind of monopoly sort of thing. I've got it all, so I'll have whatever you've got. I'll take everything because I've got as much that I need to pay for it. Yeah, that's that kind of story. So he's handed this massive sum of money. He's going off smiling and laughing. He's having a right day. He would have laughed his way to the bank if they had banks. It looked smart. It looked like he'd made a killing. Until they start hearing rumours. Until he starts hearing rumours of the, the treasure that had been in the field. Until he realises that the, that the man who bought the field has found something in the field that he sold. And that what he sold, the thing that he sold that he thought he was getting a great deal for was actually worth nothing in comparison. Then he looks like an idiot. Then he feels like a fool. Then he's embarrassed. Friends, one day Jesus will return. Guaranteed. He will come back. He's promised to come back. And as far as I'm aware, he's never let us down on any of his promises. He's coming back. And on that day, and on that day, all the currency that we currently live by will expire. Do you know there's a... I reckon, I've heard, I read this somewhere, there's about 130 million pounds worth of one pound coins that are no longer in currency at the moment because they're the old one pound coins. Yeah, 130 million quid. Can't, can't pay for anything with them. The currency has expired. Friends, worldly currency will one day expire. On that day, all your financial riches all your good life stuff, all that this world values and says that you can get somewhere with or do something with, all of that will be nothing on that day. On the final day, only kingdom currency will count. And what are you going to present towards God? What are you going to present to him? You could have all the riches on earth, but be skint in front of God. And unless you present Christ as your king, unless you present his righteousness as your righteousness, you best not try and get there in your, in your own um, good, sort of, um, good actions and good behavior. Remember Matthew 7, 22? Many will say to me, this is Jesus' words, listen to his words. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? 
Look at what I did. Look at my good works. Then I will say to them, these are the words from Jesus' mouth. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. The list of stuff that you have done in your own righteous acts will be of no more benefit than the list of stuff that you own. Those currencies no longer count. The only currency that counts is kingdom currency. Friends, if you have nothing in this world, if you have nothing in this world, that will be more than, that will be more more than enough in the world to come if you have Christ. So hold on. Keep going with kingdom joy. I want to leave you with a, with a brief, brief little story. In 1981, uh, a lady called, um, called Thelma Howard died. You've probably never heard of Thelma Howard. For 30 years of her life, Thelma Howard was the maid and the cook, the housekeeper and the cook of, of Walt and Lillian Disney. And, and every Christmas and every birthday for Thelma Howard for 30 years, Walt Disney would give her a present, a card and a present. And every year, maybe she expected, as the Disneys got richer and richer and the empire grew and grew, every year, maybe she might have expected a little tip or a little something. Maybe $20, something like that. Who knows? But every year, she was given a slip of paper with some writing on it. She placed it in a drawer and did nothing with it. Years later, when Thelma Howard died and her possessions were being sorted, all these little slips were found. And the slips were shares in Disney. So she died with an estate of $9 million in a drawer. (laughs) So Thelma Howard died having never really known. I think she knew that they were stocks and shares, but she didn't really, she never sold them or invested them. She loved and respected the Disneys well enough to kind of want to do anything with that. So she just kind of lived a plain life. But she died never really knowing the worldly wealth that she had hidden in a drawer. Don't be like Thelma Howard. Don't leave today not knowing the kingdom wealth that is in touch and distance through faith in Christ. Friends, if the kingdom is as awesome as Jesus says it is, and he thinks it is awesome, then it is worth everything you have. Then you will leave everything, drop everything, in order to hold on to Jesus with both hands and never let him go. Because what you have now in Jesus is worth giving up everything for. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you that you in your kindness have given us the riches of the kingdom of heaven. That we pay nothing for them and yet they are worth the whole world and more. Lord, help us to hold on to you with both our hands and never let go. Lord, for those who don't know you, Lord, I pray that they would see the kingdom riches as worth giving up everything for. That none of us would be at a loss, would none of us would walk away hard-hearted, hands in our, fingers in our ears, but that we would enjoy and rejoice in the riches of the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.